Welcome to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. The panel spoke with Professor Claire Hanlon from Victoria University about issues currently facing girls and women in sport. Very special guest today, Professor Claire Hanlon from the Victoria University. And Sarah, I believe you've got a couple of questions you want to put to Professor Hanlon. Absolutely. Um, Professor Hanlon, I think I could pick your brain all day, but I will start with the one. Um, I was thinking about uh, reading a bit about you and in your role as Chair of Women in Sport. How do you go about um, facilitating and initiating research? Thanks, Sarah. And please call me Claire. I'm on the (laughs) same wavelength as everyone here. So uh, we all have important views. Sarah, in relation to uh, research and where do we start, basically our focus, and I'm uh, part of the Susan Alberti Women in Sport Chair, and what our focus is for Victoria University and women and girls in sport is to create no boundaries, no boundaries for girls and women to lead and play in sport. And so based on that, we're looking at industry needs and we talk to industry. We work a lot with industry and we collaborate with industry to identify what changes are needed and how can we help? What, what can we do in the background to build capacity of organisations so then they can create the change and encourage more women as to lead as CEOs, coaches, um, but also the girls and women to play sport. And a key one that came up, Sarah, was probably the sport uniform research that recently we conducted thanks to Change Our Game program, the Victorian government, where they provided funding and uh, had a look at uh, girls in sport uniforms. Well, really what we found anecdotally, a number of uh, girls reached out to me and women and said, I'm dropping out of sport because I'm not enjoying what I, I'm not comfortable in what I play in. I'm not comfortable. And I don't know whether us as a group have been not comfortable in sports uniforms ourselves, whether it be at school or whether it be in sport ourselves, playing sport. And so we actually did some research and really identify some key no-brainer factors. But here's the evidence for you to then take to your sport organisation and say, hey, we don't want to wear white shorts. We don't want to wear skirts. We want a choice. We want options. And another is, why do we have to wear all the same, i.e., do we all have to wear shorts? Do we all have to wear skirts? Why don't we wear the same sport colours and then have what we want to wear underneath? It might be pants, skirts, shorts. So we're really tossing and and working with the industry and they realised and credit to many sports where they have changed bylaws and regulations in order to provide options and choice for girls as well as women, in what they wear in sport uniforms. Really interesting one, Sarah, was um, Cadbury, and fantastic. Cadbury and Women's Sport Australia got on board and they had a uh, 150 grand um, out to all Australian sport clubs to say, hey, here's some funding to change your sport uniforms and uh, present a three-minute video as to why you need the funding. Lo and behold, 477 videos later, um, three-minute videos later, and uh, it was incredible watching the final cut, the final 100 that we ploughed through as an assessment panel. Honestly, we've got some girls that and women that were wearing, they said, this is our IE, it was AFL in this case, um, sport uniform. These are our jumpers. They're the hand-me-downs from the guys the season beforehand. We get the hand-me-downs from the last season where the guys get the new ones. We just want something that bit us 
because they're wearing t-shirts underneath and it's it's a classic so it's like well why are we so archaic why can't we be moving forward and uh, let's look at opportunities to help sports to uh, provide the evidence as to why change needs to occur so that's one example Sarah. No, it's absolutely amazing. And I've, I love that sort of initiative coming from businesses as well because I know Toyota have done um, similar things where they had their good for footy or good for sport grants to help women um, get uniforms. And even as an example, I play football and netball, two very different uniforms. You go from football, which is basically shorts and a singlet, to a netball dress where you're supposed to be jumping and mostly doing all the stuff except for tackling that you do in football and you still are wearing a, a dress to wear under that. And most of the girls I play with end up buying a pair of footy shorts to wear underneath it anyway. So it is a very interesting conversation, um, all of the things that go around uniforms, and I'm sure we could talk about it forever as well. Um, but I did also, you mentioned how it ties into the recruitment and the retention of women in sport. What sort of other factors have you come across that are halting being able to recruit and retain these new athletes to clubs? Mm, it varies according to age group. It's a, it's a lifespan. When we're talking about girls and women, it's across their lifespan. Think of girls uh, 12 to 14. That's one of the biggest dropout rates of girls in sport. And that's because they're moving from primary to secondary school. It could be due to puberty. It could be during that time is when their lack of self-confidence, they fear judgment. So you have a look at that and how do we encourage and create a fun, supportive social environment for those girls compared to women who are coming back after um, a period of time away from sport and how do we encourage them to come back? And it goes back to girls and women really want social environments. They want to, uh, social fun, um, they want to know the why factor as well. Why is it good for me? And to promote the health and fitness and uh, longevity and, and how it mentally, socially and physically helps you. I think those areas are really important to show that along the way based on um, the, the life stage that people are at. So many people think one size fits all um, in 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 recruiting, in attracting and retaining. And it's not the case. It varies on age group. So, Sarah, that could be a very long-winded response if I then break down to age groups. But I suppose my point is it depends on the age group of the person that you then look at attraction and retention. No, Sarah, very so true. Just a quick one. Just a quick one on the uniforms. Yeah. Wouldn't it be easy just for Australian netball to come out and say we'll have an outfit like basketball like women's basketball and men's basketball where you just have shorts and a singlet isn't it just if if and i understand your point around you know the difference of uniforms i can't see any common sense would tell you australian basketball just as an edict that the outfit will now be basically basketball shorts and singlet or whatever or a top or a t-shirt yeah, would it be that easy or am yeah, i just being naive no, it's not naive at all, Greg, and I think the more we're aware of it, the better. I must admit, Nepal Victoria have really stepped in and they have changed that, Greg, since the evidence that we provided with the research. They have actually changed their association bylaws. The problem is in sport, you've got national, state, associations and then clubs. It is so tiered. 
And so, for example, for Netball Victoria, they are now encouraging all their associations with this new bylaw template to say that the girls can wear exactly like you're saying, the bottoms, the same colour, as long as the team colour, but they can, in each team, one girl might want shorts, one girl might like skirt to wear a skirt, and another girl is freezing and want to wear, you know, pants all the time. Great, let's do it. So, yes, that's happening in Netball Victoria with what they are encouraging their associations to do. Claire, I'm just um, starting on your, your concept, no boundaries. It sounds simple, but when, the more you think of it, from all the, and this show, I think it's fair to say, we cover a lot of women's sport. There are huge boundaries. I'm just a couple of notes I've made. Uniforms, community, community attitudes, media, funding, and, and, and you could go on, I suspect, all day. Can I just focus on the media? Because I, I am truly um, amazed at the lack of uh, coverage of women's sport uh, in the all forms of media. Well, the, the forms of media perhaps that I read and watch. Uh, and when you look at the success of women in sport, particularly the Olympics over the last 20 years, you really wonder why this is the case. A, why is the case? And B, do you think things are improving, Claire? Oh, I'm a glass half full person. And uh, I do believe they are improving. That News Corp's a prime example. They have employed a woman who is a senior editor to encourage more coverage in the News Corp media regarding women in sport. So that's a credit in that context. You have BBC and, and ABC are prime examples where they're trying to target and uh, put in uh, targets, i.e. 40-60 of reporters, of women and men who are reporting in sport because you've got a different lens and that's really important, but also reporting and they've, they've now got, um, they're doing tallies in relation to uh, how often they're reporting in relation to media and uh, women in sport. So I think that's a positive we need more, though, honestly, John. There's um, the other media we need to increase. You have a look at your newspapers still, your back pages, your couple of back pages. We need to increase that for the newspapers. We need to increase in relation to the voice of women, and there are more in, increasing. There's a, a program, uh, again, it goes back to Change Our Game, the state government. They've just announced 15 women who they're, um, this is their third year, I think, running regarding um, uh, having them as experts in media. Sarah, I don't know whether you're involved in that program, and if not, that is a great opportunity where they increase your ex expertise uh, in media and, uh, again, trying to encourage that happening. Fortunately for AFL in some of the channels, we can see that there are women reporting, and, again, it's a great lens. So fingers crossed that that continues. Uh, Finally, for me, the, um, we didn't read out all of your CV, because seriously, we're taking up half the bloody show. But um, one, of, one of the things is the Susan Alberti, Chair of Women's Sport at, uh, at uh, VU, and all, obviously Susan Alberti was very um, instrumental uh, and very much behind the AFLW. Bit of a Dorothy Dixon, but I suspect that you're fairly uh, happy with the way the, the AFLW is progressing, uh, particularly with uh, and your connection with the Bulldogs. Victoria University is strongly aligned with Western Bulldogs um, and they're certainly very keen in relation to encouraging more women as leaders in sport. So uh, I was actually talking last week to the respective uh, managers in relation to, well, how can we link stronger together in order to create uh, greater outcomes and impacts for the industry, for the community? So we're in discussions at the moment in that context 
going on to talk about Susan Alberti and a dynamic woman who we regularly uh, meet and we talk about uh, the industry and the needs. Sue is a person that wants things done yesterday based on her encouragement and enthusiasm to create that change. And uh, I think between us, we're certainly uh, hopefully helping and, and uh, feeding off each other in relation to how we can help create change in the community, but be in the background. Again, it's not in the forefront. Let's be in the background and get organisations to have that ownership and for them to create the change and celebrate what they're doing to encourage more women as leaders, as well as players in sport. Thanks. Um, we're, we're at an um, interesting stage where, for example, why are we needing to do this? And, John, it goes back to being glass half full. However, the hmm. stats aren't showing that. You've got IE uh, 2019. We had 29% we had 29% of women who were CEOs in national, 63 national sport organisations. We had 15% uh, women who are high-performance coaches. We only had 9% of women who were coaching at the Rio Olympics. So that's not giving us great uh, stats there. So bring on the next uh, group of what we're doing. We need to increase the number of women, but we need to create an environment that will help them uh, to be in those roles and that's supportive of them in their roles. When we're talking about women, it's not just someone like me who's blonde hair, blue eyed. We're talking about women in relation to the diverse backgrounds that are women representing CEO roles and um, uh, high performance coach roles or officials. We're a diverse society. Well, where's our diversity? And let's bring that in. And Sarah, it goes back to your point in the context of what research we're doing. I'm heavily involved in research at the moment uh, regarding women. Um, and working with women from culturally diverse backgrounds and what encourages them. And sport has a lot to learn from women, i.e. from culturally diverse backgrounds, from disability. We had an example where we did a research around Australia about women who were in sport and weren't in sport, but they wanted to, they aspired, they wanted to be leaders in sport. Really scary finding was that women who weren't in sport but really wanted to lead in sport and aspired to be in sport, they had more negative perceptions about when they get in, what it's going to be like leading, compared to the women that were actually in there and leading in sport. That just shows what image is sport showing or, or portraying in our industry for it to be inclusive and diverse and encourage women into sport. And I think that's something that we need to look at and, John, it goes back to you making sure that we don't have that um, male-dominated um, uh, image in relation to what we're portraying as sport. We need to kind of – we need to change. And this is a time where we should be rebuilding and reanalyzing. I would have thought that commerce would come to your aid, Claire. I, I, I truly think that with the increase of female CEOs and female managers, they can actually see the benefit uh, of women's sport. Look, on a, on a – uh, uh, strategic level, it's good for their company. You mentioned Cadbury's, but gee, what you look at the women playing sport, and and, and they're they're a pretty good image uh, to be associated with. Where we, <laughs> we've talked a lot in this show about uh, men behaving badly in sport, um, and a lot of factors that that have just let themselves down, but the women are just stepping up all the time. I I just find it a no-brainer for commerce to get on board. 
Absolutely. Have a look at sponsorship. There are more sponsors uh, looking and seeking women um, players in sport. Uh, have a look at the fans. And there's women who, women are key decision makers in the family. So you need to make sure that you have the women who are satisfied in sport but as fans, as players, as leaders. They are real important lenses that are coming from a family perspective, a female perspective, or a woman's perspective and girls' perspective, but also in relation to a perspective which is different to males. And we need both. Uh, we can't have a, a, an association or, or a board full of women. We need men. We need the lens of men. It's the same thing. And, and the, with that understanding, that's how we're going to grow. Claire, you were talking about uh, male-dominated coaching positions. Um, how long before the AFL takes the lead and uh, we start seeing a more percentage-appropriate numbers of women being appointed as head coaches of, of the women's teams? Yeah, wouldn't that be great, Mark? Um, bring it on. In relation to having a visible career pathway where women can see this is achievable and the support is there when they become a coach and it retains them, that's when I think it's going to happen. It needs to be strengthened and we need to have more women who are experienced because you've got, and this goes back to um, high-performance coaches across sport, Mark, uh, when the positions are open for high performance, the senior high performance role, often you hear the reason why women weren't appointed was because they weren't experienced. Well, let's get them in experience. Let's get them in these roles so then that they are acting as high performance coaches, acting as senior coaches for AFL, whatever it is, because that's where the experience, once they've got that experience, it happens. But where are the opportunities that have, has that? And I think there's... The more sports that showcase women in these roles, show that support is there, women need, it's like anyone, you need that support, that confidence, and more will keep going. I want to be like that person, and so many are like that. There I see the Australian Olympic Committee has um, replaced a, uh, a pale male with another pale male, and there's only pale males in the, in the standing, and the AFL will no doubt go down that same path. Does that frustrate, frustrate you or do you think the time's coming when we'll see more uh, women getting those really top positions in, uh, in Australian sport? Would love to see that, full stop. Um, I think with Ian, though, Ian is a great candidate or an appointment in the context of he was the chef de mission. He was a person who um, has been ground level in relation to athletes and is looking at it from varied lenses uh, I do think, though, it's the time. How long can a person be in a role for is probably a topic of discussion. For example, do you put a person in and is the maximum 10 years in a role? Uh, the person before Anne was in for 32 years from memory. So it's a matter of let's have a look at time that people are in certain roles in order to have a fresh lens perspective and. Um, and input, and I think that's important regardless of where people are. Um, Claire, look, we really appreciate you coming on and talking about what we believe is a most important subject. Um, what we'd really like to see is uh, other media organisations take up the discussion because it just seems to me that if more people are discussing it, then more is going to happen. 
Yeah, look, I can I say well done to you as a team. It is so important. You're getting the voice out there. And the more you get the voice out there, the the easier and the more reassuring it is for people saying, hey, there's people out there that have got faith in us. So please keep up the great work. We need you. Well, we will. And uh, please, you keep up the great work too. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks, Thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, today. Claire. Take care. Thanks, Thank Claire. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sports Fan Radio podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. You can get more Sports Fan Radio at our YouTube channel.